This is the Life School Podcast, episode number 105, and today we want to make sure your church or missional community doesn't suck. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you're going to learn how to live with greater intentionality as well as an integrated faith in every area of your life. This is the stuff your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Mr. Caesar Kalinowski. How's it going, dude? It's going good, brother. Glad to be with you. Pretty excited about this episode today. Uh, I know I have talked about it in the past, and I've blogged about it a little bit, and it's been like always a favorite, and I get you know lots of emails about it, so I think people are going to love it. All right, dude. I work in a local church, and... So do many of our listeners, and no one really sets out to lead an unhealthy church or ministry. But oftentimes, <laughs> over time, we get there, right? Like, and no one starts wanting to. Like, hey, you know what? Most churches I've been a part of aren't really run that well. Why don't we just start there? Like, let's just plan to run a, you know, sucky church. <laughs> yeah, but oftentimes <laughs> no we're looking that, no. at like leaders and the way they're doing it at different cities, and we're trying to impose impose those on the way we're doing ministry, maybe here in the Northwest, and it's just not working. And so we end up over time seeing man, we've got a massive disconnect and this is not right. healthy for our church. Right. And I know like when, I, when I've when i worked, you know, like as staff for others, um, like the board or the elders or the quote higher ups, they just sort of handed down the metrics. Sure. This is how we go up and to the right. <laughs> and we call like there's this, this concept of the three B's that we're going to get to here in a few minutes uh, that is actually a, a fascinating way that the three the, B's, the measurements that, that every church uses, the three B's. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be good. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But, you know, oftentimes, if we were actually to study the life and ministry of Jesus and Jesus's ministry career, we end up seeing that our current standards and our performance reviews are nothing like the way he was operating. Like, nothing, it doesn't look anything like that. Uh, I yes. wonder how he'd measure up to that, to the three Bs. Let, let me unpack the three Bs yeah. real quick, and Go then we'll just do a little, I don't know, we'll have a little fun with that and see how Jesus would measure. So the three Bs are butts and seats. Okay, we measure that, like attendance, right? Sure. Butts and seats. Um, building size. So like, hey, we're in a building campaign or, you know, hey, we, we're going to have to go to two services pretty soon. So we're going to build a bigger place instead. So b- the three Bs, right? Uh, butts and seats, building size, and then budget. Hmm. Is the budget growing? Like, is giving going up? We're doing better. You know, giving's going hmm. up, we're doing better. I just talked to a guy the other day. He goes, our attendance is half, but our giving's about the same. Hmm. So what do you think? He goes, eh, aging congregation, you know, older people give more. It's like, oh, does it feel super healthy? He goes, no, not at all. So, you know, oh, wow. but those are the three Bs we often measure. Butts and seats, that's attendance, building size, and our budget. So I wonder, though, how would Jesus have done, you know, if we looked at his ministry in light of that? So sure, mm-hmm. Jesus could draw a crowd, right? Um, usually around healings and massive meal times. Yet he primarily spent, you know, the bulk of his leadership energy and time with only about a dozen people or so. Hmm. Handful of friends kind of following him around, helping him out. Um, in the modern church, Jesus would not get a great score here, I don't think. He would probably not get that promotion up the ladder for like consistent attendance increase. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> people bailing on him, yeah. like falling asleep the night. You know, you spent three years with him falling asleep. Constantly Failure. thinning the crowd on purpose. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 wait. You shouldn't have said that right before Easter, you know. <laughs> anyway, so, um, building size. Let's see how Jesus would do on building size. So Jesus never owned a home. Okay, that we know of, or certainly never built a church building. And most often he taught his disciples like while he was like living out the rhythms of normal everyday life with them over yeah. meals and on the road uh, in other people's homes. I think when it comes to the metric of building size, uh, we're going to have to give Jesus a zero on that one. I mean, he doesn't, 
He's striking out right yeah, now. Yeah, he's striking out bad time. And then budget, okay? How, metric of budget, Jesus' ministry career. Um, remember, Jesus sends his team out, his disciples out, with no money yeah. or food or extra sandals or clothing, right? Go look it up yourself, Luke 9, 3. <laughs> and yeah. he was teaching that his father can and always provides for that which he's calling us to, right? So even when there was a little extra cash around, because Jesus lived, it, was, it wasn't like this mystical, he ate and food, sure. they talk about it. He actually ha- had let a trader hold the offering bag. <laughs> Judas held on to the money, right? Yeah. Others would donate it and give it to him and sell stuff. And you know, it was hit, they, but he let a trade. So when it comes to budget and growing a budget or man, managing a budget, uh, who hired this Jesus guy? <laughs> yeah, he's a failure on all accounts so, of them. Yeah, so he, I don't think Jesus would have done very good with the three Bs. Yeah. Which means most churches today would not... They wouldn't hire him, or they'd say like, "Man, you know, performance review, you consistently low marks there." Jesus, we're gonna have yeah. to let you go. Sorry, sorry, son of God. <laughs> <laughs> when we look at the way Jesus did ministry, you often propose that he measured by different metrics, right? Uh, and I would, I think, if anyone who actually spends time in Scripture would see that he was operating as a different sort of dude. How would you propose Jesus measured successfulness in ministry? Yeah, I wish you'd have written it down. Like, here's the things, right? But yeah. I've done that for us. <laughs> no, I, I have tried to come up with like a list. It's been kind of an ongoing list of like, what what would be benchmarks of a healthy church or a, a healthy missional church even, right? What would be yeah. some of them? Um, I'm going to I'm gonna give you just a few. And a little while, we're going to talk, you know, about ways that our listeners can download like the whole po- package. I'm sure. not going to go through all of them. We just won't have time today in this episode. But um Big one is Jesus, I think, would have measured the number of mature disciples being made. Hmm. Okay. Um, disciples who make disciples. Um, they don't, you know, you'll know them because they don't just sit in rows and hang out, you know, once a week together. Yeah. And I think when we see Jesus' life invested in discipleship and then the sending out of the few and then the command to go and make disciples, that would have to be a key measurement. Huh. Right. Yep. Um, now, I don't, I don't know if I've ever talked. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's changing. It's changing rapidly. A lot of churches are not saying key metric above attendance is dis- mature disciples being made. Disciples make disciples. That's mm-hmm. our. That's a key one. Yeah. But if that's the mission that Jesus gave the church, I, I think we got to slide that up, that one up to the top. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, how about this number of relationships with not yet believers? Hmm. Like, what if we started measuring that in our church? Jesus was a friend to sinners, and though he poured his life into discipling the few. He taught them also how to find and discover the people of peace. Notice who they would do the same with. Yeah. And he made disciples of not yet believers. Hmm. We've talked about this in previous episodes that Jesus' discipleship led to them knowing the truth that set them free. John yep. 8. Took some time. And so what if we started measuring in, in ourselves as, let's start with as leaders, <laughs> right? And then our people uh, in our churches or, or our missional communities, what if we started measuring the number of relationships that we have with not yet believers and identifying of people of peace yeah so probably not a huge number of people of peace but are we out there enough or like you know i've I've talked about this before when i was on staff at a big church i didn't know a single not yet believer none of my friends were believers so how how are we gonna you know so um how about this how about gospel conversations taking place naturally Hmm. so gospel fluency the ability to speak the good news and enjoy it you know and experience it in all of life. What if we sort of took 
a measurement of that. Now that one's less tangible in the sense of like, I have a chart and I tick it off. Yeah, right. I know a ministry that does that. People that work for them, they have to actually have so many gospel conversations a week and they have to turn it in on a chart. Oh, wow. So they're really canned. No know? pressure. It's like, it's like, Jesus, excuse me, would you say <laughs> nothing? Check. You know, like I just said, Jesus, you know, you know, really, I'm not yeah. joking. I talk to the people. Gosh. But, but, but it's one of those things where you can tell when the gospel fluency is going up and you can, in a community or church, you know, when the good news is leaking out more and more and people mm. are naturally, you know, like, is our, is our verbal proclamation of the good news going up? Are folks growing in their gospel fluency? You know that. Yeah. I think that's a key thing to be paying attention to. Hmm. Because if, like, let's say, because I'm not, I don't completely, you know, we poke fun a little bit at the three Bs. I'm not discounting it. Attendance, you know, our community growing, be it on a Sunday or however you want, whenever, however we measure it, that's not a bad thing. Sure. But if we're going to measure that, wouldn't we also want to know that, okay, and that's because we're making disciples and because the gospel proclamation is increasing amongst us? Absolutely. So that has to be, right? Um, How about this? The number of indigenous leaders that we're developing to maturity who are now leading others Hmm. in discipleship and in ministry. Like so often the church, we see a task and we hire to it. Yeah. We just, you know, we hire, plug, put a finger in that hole, get that task done. But what if one of our benchmarks for missional health and, and a healthy church is we are increasingly seeing the number of indigenous leaders. In other words, those who came to faith and were matured in their discipleship in our community who are now leading and giving their lives to making disciples and leading others. Huh. What if we measured that? Man, that'd be amazing. Right? And, and I've seen it, and it changes. I mean, a community that is primarily led by those who came to faith and matured in it, and then with the mature saints that maybe helped start that community. Sure. Oh, man, that is powerful versus sort of a top-down corporate approach where we get a million resumes and we look at it. There again, if we used most of our metrics and we started so- sorting and sifting through <laughs> uh, resumes, we wouldn't hire Jesus. So we got to be careful there, right? <laughs> so what about indigenous people? We've got to see their life. We've got to walk with them. You know, we, we know that we know the We know who they the are. Character. Yeah. We know their character, right? Um, how about this one? Uh, people being sent out to start new works. What if we measured that like all the time? It's really important to us because huh. we make disciples who make disciples in the whole world. What if that was a measurement for us? Like, hey, our new missional community starting? Are we planting more churches? Is that a goal of ours? Are we seeding that in right away so our people know, hey, you're a whole, all your discipleship and equipping is because we plan to send you. Hmm. And it might be just send you back to your own neighborhood. Right. It might be sending you into a part of town that there is no, you know, we don't, nothing's going on with the gospel. It might be, hey, I know you have a killer big house, but a handful of your friends are selling that stuff. You're going to take the resource and move into an apartment complex for the next five years because hmm. you're going to be missionaries there. What, what if we started measuring and, you know, like forecasting that out and really like, just casting vision for that. And we measured then, like, you know how many, like, new works got started in the last year? Yeah. It's like, I, I would be way more stoked to say, hey, we saw five new missional communities or 10 missional communities start up this year, and a church is forming out of that. Then, like, we had 15 people raise their hand on Easter. Yeah. You, you, it's a whole different kind of metric. It's yeah. a whole different metric, isn't it? And there's others here. And, sure. you know, we'll, we can talk about that anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, one of our listeners, Jared, he commented... Uh, when he wrote in, he said, this is going to require that believers relearn the acts of hospitality and neighboring so that the home and immediate neighborhood becomes rich venues of mission, outreach, and ministry and soul care. Good one, Jared. <laughs> yeah. But then he goes on to say, it's unlikely that the people of the church will learn this deeply if local leaders of the congregation don't model it. Ouch. So Caesar, what sort of encouragement do you have uh, for pastors or uh, people in ministry that are trying to steer their congregations to this? 
or even for normal everyday folks who feel like this is the way they want to start living? Okay, I'm going to go super practical. I could talk for a long time. I know we're running, we're running short here. Um, I would say if you are trying to change your metrics and you're like, what's the first thing you do? Caesar, like, I, I need to start moving my congregation. I don't care if it's 50 people, 100 people, or 1,500 people, or 15,000. Here's what I do. It does need to start in the home. It needs mm-hmm. to start with the leaders. And I would lead, if it was me, if someone said, hey, you're in charge, boom, I'd say, here's first thing. As a congregation, as a community, we're all going to start having one meal a week with a not yet believer or couple or family. Just one meal out of 21. We're already doing it. No extra time required. Yeah. We're going to start having one meal with a not yet believer. We're going to measure that. We're going to ask everybody to do it. Hmm. And then we're going to give loads of time on Sundays, you know, if we're gathering up, you know, at our, at our services or whatever. We're going to give loads of time to hear how that's going. The good, yeah. bad, and the ugly. And, and we're going to ask every family to do that. Like, so, sure, and if you're story. scared to death, I'd say, okay, well, you and another person can do it, but then you have to have two this week. You mm. can do it together. It's okay. But you're already doing 21 meals a week. Let's start having one meal a week with a not yet believer or couple or yeah. something like that. And, and we're going to do this for six weeks. Hmm. And we're going to talk about it on Sundays a little bit, see how it's going, what we're learning. I think you start measuring that and then celebrating that. Yeah. As a community. And th- I think you're going to have a metric shift right away and it's going to be tangible and visceral. Yeah. And, it's, and, it, and it's it multiplies, right? Yep. People get stoked when they hear stories like that. Absolutely. Like, wow, That's what I do. Yeah. I would like be like January 1st. Hey, for the next six weeks, here's what we're going to strongly encourage you to do. And guess what? All, all the pastoral team, all the elders, we're all doing it. We're all doing it. Yeah. We're going to pray in God who? Like yeah. who, who having a meal with this week? And it's not the same people for six weeks. We're going we're gonna to trust God <laughs> that out of 21 meals a week, we can find somebody who doesn't yet know the truth about yeah. Christ and the good news and have a meal with them and just see how it goes. We're not going to try to close the deal. We're not going to go nutty. We're just going to have it and see where the Spirit of God leads it. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great challenge. That's something that I think me and my family could actually get started on this week. Can you even. get behind that? <laughs> <laughs> Easy to get behind, right? We're eating. We're eating them already. We're already eating the meals. So we just have to get intentional. And that's, that's a lot of what life school is about, right, is bringing intentionality and sort of integrating things in. So we're already eating. Yeah. yeah, invite people into that. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that uh, has been kind of going on in my mind lately is working in a big church where the the mindset has typically been the work of the lay people is to promote the big event that the church staff has put on and bring them in and the pastor will share the message and maybe they'll be added to the Back members to the of the church. Bees. Yeah. yeah, the three Bs. <laughs> uh, but there's this whole concept of multiplication in ministry, which is different than just adding to numbers. It's two, four, eight, 16. And that continues on and on with even generations, third, fourth generation. Uh, you say in one of your videos that the next best time to rethink our methods um, and measurements is now. Like we can get started on this today. Uh, and we always focus on what we measure, but can you lay out a little bit that concept of multiplication versus addition in ministry? Yeah, since we're talking about measurements, yeah, great question. Uh, since we're talking about measurements, um, what if we started to seed in and count on and measure our things multiplying hmm. or, or like, and I'm not about addition, you know, we talk about, yeah, well, our staff used to be four people. Now it's six, or it used to be 12 and now it's 18 yeah. or it used to be 35 and now we're 50, you know, or whatever it would sure. be. Right. That, that's addition. And what, what if instead, like, what if we said, you know, what we start measuring that everybody who's got any kind of a service to the family, to the body, be it paid or unpaid, mm-hmm. um, is going to be, asked and equipped to multiply whatever it is they do. Hmm. So if you're working children's ministry, um, a successful children's ministry worker or director or whatever is going to be measured when they build multiplication into that. 
So when they replace themselves, say, three times over, hmm. because we're planning for multiplication. We're planning for communities to, to be sent, people to be sent, and new communities started, and churches planted. So if we, if we just say, oh, man, she's great at this, hmm. and she's got her finger in the hole, and all, I mean, it's like every week it's nailed down. Well, now we've got, by God's grace, two more communities. Well, who's going to do all that? I don't know. We have to add some, have to add some people. But hmm. what, if, what if she knew, built in, my job is to multiply myself? Maybe even work myself out of a job, but at least multiply myself. And then if I choose to leave the ministry, I don't get to (laughs) until I've multiplied myself. Now think about that across all the myriad of either paid sort of task jobs that go on in the church or, you know, the loads of volunteer work and people are just serving because it's their family, right? It's their community. But what if you built in and started to measure, is every one of those things, are they multiplying themselves? Hmm. Because see, here's the thing, we can't really multiply, and we won't see movement if there's not multiplication seated in. We're always going to be going like, how do we plug the hole? Yeah. Oh, yeah, how, and replacing the last person, right? And yeah. Never ex- du- duplicating it. Yeah, just so let's, I don't know, let's get on Willinet. Let's dig it up. Let's get some resume, resumes in here or something. You know, like, yeah. let's find another person. That's addition again. And that's not even, that's subtraction, then replacement or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. right? So what if we started to think... You know, and I and I, I know there's people who are listening to this who are like lead staffs and teams. And what if like, okay, let's just say you got your team and it's three people. Start seeding and measuring multiplication in your team. Hmm. Seed it in. Ask them what they need to be able to multiply themselves. It's like, well, there's no need to. Like, this is just us. Nope. In faith, we begin to seed in and measure multiplication. Yeah. That's what leads. And I've noticed, he like consistently over the years that when myself and other leaders that I've worked with, when we in faith build in, seed in multiplication and measure for multiplication, before we even know why we're doing it, sure. and we go, wow, we've multiplied a lot of leaders and they're equipped and they're awesome. God goes, and now here's the harvest. Hmm. You know, like God doesn't bring a harvest. You go like, well, we picked it all. We're going to do with it. Just dump it over there on the floor. Yeah. Right. God's not in the business of creating like uh, orphan sheep. Hmm. It's when we prepare in faith for multiplication and we begin to measure that, that's healthy. Hmm. Healthy things always grow. Let's assume God's healthy and he's going to make us healthy and grow. Let's plan for that and watch God bring the harvest. It's, it's, there's, there's a kingdom principle in that. Yeah. Dude, there is some amazing stuff to take away from this week. I feel like there's almost too much stuff. My mind is racing with all the things that you've even mentioned today. Uh, Part two next week. No, <laughs> yeah. we won't. No. We always talk about, as we close, the big three, which are three things we can get started with right away. Um, advice, action steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before I ask you what the big three are this week, I just want to encourage people, if you're driving or at the gym, don't worry about pulling over and <laughs> and writing all this down right now. I gotta write right these now. down. These are good. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually going to give you a free download of the big three that Caesar's going to talk about here in a minute. Um, and to get that, you can go to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 105, or you can text the message episode 105 with no space just episode 105, to the number 33444. That's 33444. And you're going to get those immediately uh, on your smartphone. Caesar, what are the uh, what are the big three that you're leaving with us this week? Okay, here's the big three, either steps or takeaways or things you can begin right away. First, um, figure out what you've been currently measuring that you give the most weight to, you know, either in your missional community or your church. Like, what do you give the most weight and attention to? And, uh, and see if it aligns with true missional health. Hmm. And and you know how you're gonna know if it's missional health? How's that? It produces disciples. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, if if you, if it's not like this is the thing we would know, like if we're honest, this is the thing we measure the most. So it might be one of the three Bs. Okay. Hmm. So um, 
And, and if it's not producing disciples that make disciples, I think you it's time to get serious about changing that. Hmm. I'm not saying you stop worrying about if anybody's showing up or whatever, you know, yeah. or having enough space for folks. But what I'm saying is if it's not producing disciples, then it's time to make a change. Like that, like change your measurement, change your metric. Sure. Lose the three Bs, okay? Uh, secondly, um, this download my 10 benchmarks of a healthy missional church assessment. Hmm. That's going to be added to, if you, you know, if you do the download that you just told everybody about, and yeah. we'll, we'll repeat that in a second, um, they'll, get the, they'll get the big three, but I'm also going to give you a 10 benchmarks of a he- healthy missional church assessment. Hmm. So I'm going to go through like, all 10, I only hit like three or four here today. Sure. And then an assessment that you can take like in five minutes, you and your team, and then it'll kind of give you like, okay, if this is how you score, this is where your missional health is. Hmm. Really cool, really simple. Uh, it, it'll stir things up, guarantee you. Yeah. Maybe, hopefully good. And the third thing is, kind of what we ended on in, is start to seed multiplication, not just task accomplished into every area of life and ministry. Hmm. So if this is a big church, start to lead your team that way build that expectation in, measure that. If it's in a missional community, start to multiply yourself. Don't be the person who like, well, I host and my wife and we do all everything and we'll see you next week. No, break it down and start to build multiplication into everything. Let people help you. Explain why you do what you do. Explain the ethos behind it. Start to build multiplication in, in simple ways into everything you do. That'll take some intentionality, but that will set you up for growth and multiplication. Those are some super practical things that you can even get started on here in the next five minutes. As much as I want to keep going, and I'm sure there's more we could talk about, unfortunately, time's up. But uh, I just want to encourage you, again, if you didn't get to write those down or if you missed the uh, previous announcement or we talked too fast, you can get the big three from this week, including the 10 benchmarks of a healthy missional church assessment by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 105. Or you can text message episode 105 with no space, episode 105 to 33444. Uh, and we're going to get all those things into your hands. I hope I hope our listeners will. The, the, the 10 benchmarks are great. Yeah. And the assessment's fun and super useful. And like I said, it'll stir things up. So I hope they'll jump on that. Yeah, that's exciting, man. We'd like to thank you for joining us. Uh, next week on Life School Podcast, we're going to be talking about how to shift small groups into missional communities anything like me you've been in part of a small group where you figure this thing isn't working the good news of the gospel is not going forward it's sitting here in this group how do you make that change we're going to give you some practical tips and input next week thanks for joining us on the life school podcast for more information visit 123lifeschool.com slash podcast <laughs>